The following was recorded live as part of homeschool.com's 2005 homeschooling teleconference. To order additional recordings, visit www.homeschool.com or send an email to orders at homeschool.com. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Rebecca Kokenderfer. I'm your host during this 2005 homeschooling teleconference. I am very honored to introduce you to our next guest. Her name is Bobby DePorter, and we're going to be talking about test-taking strategies for a test-crazy world. Uh, Bobby DePorter is president of Quantum Learning Network, a West Coast-based educational firm producing programs for students, teachers, schools, and organizations across the United States and countries abroad. Uh, last week, we spoke with Robert Kiyosaki, and uh, Robert is a big fan of Bobby DePorter's work and uh, recommends her super camp and her quantum learning materials in his book, Rich Kid, Smart Kid. Uh, with knowledge gleaned from co-founding a highly successful business school where she was an early pioneer in the application of accelerated learning, uh, Bobby DePorter went on to apply those same strategies to school-age children. The idea evolved into super camp. This uh, super camp is a residential summer program. It teaches students uh, academic and personal growth skills uh, in an environment, usually at uh, colleges across the United States. In fact, I was hoping that my 14-year-old son was going to be able to attend a super camp this last summer, but they were all sold out. So uh, thank you very much for being with us today, Bobby. Yes, you're welcome. And that's where I am at one of the college campuses at Super Camp today. Are you at a Super Camp graduation? I am. So we have a lot of parents and students here today. Well, now, Great. can you tell us a little bit about uh, Super Camp and what you offer? I was very impressed with it. We've been doing this 24 years, so it's really grown, and I say it's really grown because of the results we've gotten, but it, it's focused on a lot of the topics that you have here on learning and life skills. It's giving students skills so that they can do better in school, but the real shift that happens is always in how they feel about themselves, and I know when that happens, everything else in their life changes, so we have over 40,000 graduates now and been doing it a long time. In fact, I have people here today uh, who are grandparents who sent their son who are now sending their grandchildren. So it was fun to talk to them. Now, at Super Camp, you have um, children who are um, doing well in school and want to do even better, and you also have uh, children who are having a hard time in school, and you have homeschoolers who are thinking about putting their child into junior high school or high school. Is that correct? Yes, we do. We do have the whole range, and it's in... It's focused on the learning skills, and we know that that reaches across, that we know that those that are doing well in school, so often they put so much stress on themselves uh, for what they're doing, and they find that they get excited about the skills because they're new and they can learn more faster, reduce stress, less study time, and get higher results. And then we have those that are struggling, and we know that that's often because um, they're not being taught the way that they learn or really understand a lot of those things, and they give them strategies, and it's exciting to see their faces light up when they get it and they know they can be successful. That's I was thinking of you about. for my um, 14-year-old um, homeschooled son who wants to start taking junior college classes, mm-hmm. and I wanted to set him up for success in making sure that he knew how to take notes and how to understand what the test, anticipate what the test was going to be about and how to um, develop good people skills in more of a public setting than he's experienced perhaps in his homeschool. Yes, there's a lot of socialization, and they make friends with people. You know what we hear a lot is that they've made really good friends with people that would normally not be their friends. 
You know, they're different personalities, different type of person, and they get so close. And they, of course, when they come to super camp, they get to meet people from all over the U.S. and from outside the country, and they make best friends with them. So it's fun to have those relationships after the program. Now, we've probably uh, lost all the opportunities to go to super camp this summer. You're all full. But for uh, next year, you start registrations in the spring. Actually, we, we starting them now for next year. Oh, yeah, which I wish I had done myself. <laughs> yeah. But I, but I have a daughter who's getting ready to go into junior high school age, and I think that she'll really enjoy it, too. What is the website address for that? It's uh, supercamp.com. Okay, easy enough. S-U-P-E-R-C-A-M-P.com. Yes, and actually we have, I'm here at Claremont Colleges in Los Angeles right now, and we have a program starting in a couple of days, and there has been a couple of dropouts, so if there's any last-minute people out there, oh, they could uh, take advantage of that. Which homeschoolers could, of course, because they don't have to start school in the middle of August. Yes. They might have the time. Yeah. Now, you've also, uh, you're an accomplished author as well. You've written several books on learning which have been published in the United States, Great Britain, Germany, Russia, Indonesia. Now, uh, one of your titles is Quantum Learning, Unleashing the Genius in You, Quantum Business, Achieving Success Through Quantum Learning, Quantum Teaching, Orchestrating Student Success, and the Eight Keys of Excellence, Principles to Live By. So uh, where are these books available, Bobby? Well, they are certainly at our website and at Amazon.com, and they can be uh, gotten at bookstores as well. Now, when you say at your website, do you mean supercamp.com or is it quantumlearning.com? E- either one. You know, you come to one of the websites, and they're all linked together. So supercamp.com or quantumlearning.com. And you yeah, also go by qln.com. Yes. Well, I'd like to talk with you later on in this interview about the eight keys of excellence principles to live by, because obviously you've piqued our interest about that. Oh, very good. Well, wonderful. So let's talk about tests. Uh, now, homeschooling laws differ in each state. Uh, some um, some states require testing, some do not. But uh, testing is becoming more and more prevalent these days for children who are going to school and for homeschoolers. What's going on with all the attention on tests? Well, there is such a big focus on it. And in some areas, I really think that they've gone overboard with it. Uh, we need accountability and I'm all about accountability, and there's times when it just doesn't make sense. Where the, where's the focus? You know, where's it gone? And also on accountability, um, we need to know the results of our students, and if they have a teacher that is not um, getting the results, then we need to know that so that we can support in those areas. And one thing I'm really passionate about is that we know the quality of the teacher that um, is so important with with students and them having this uh, skills. And with homeschooling, the parent is the teacher, and I know many of them have interactions as well. But on the accountability, uh, just just a moment on the on the big picture of it with the with the schools and the um, underperforming schools. There's craziness going on with that, and most of it leads around that that's not a match data. You know, we're doing apples and oranges out there, and there's one study that was done, I think it's the biggest that's ever been done on education with match data in the state of Tennessee where they followed over 6 million students between the ages of, from second grade to eighth grade. Can you imagine all those years and all those students? And they matched them with who was teaching them. And they saw that some students were excelling and some weren't. And it all led back. They said the number one factor was the quality of the teacher who's teaching the student. So I know that there's so much responsibility on that and that 
focusing in on what can we do, what kind of teaching skills and training skills, teaching skills, because we know so much is possible, you know, and the strategies, sometimes they, they're, they're instant strategies that people can do in the moment to get different results, and that's what we're really all about. You know, when there's a big focus on test scores, that we look at, is that the purpose? Is that the purpose of education to get high test scores? And what should the purpose be? And then when we put the purpose on learning, it has very different results because when the focus is on test scores, you know, there could be cheating, there could be cramming, there could be undue stress, there could be a lot going on. And when it's on learning, that's what our goal is, to get students to be engaged and excited in lifelong learning. And the result of that is that probably they will get higher test scores. And I know that that's what you're all about, is about that joy of learning and um, having that focus be there. And using the test then as an assessment to how are we doing. Yes. And yes, to use it for our benefit. I mean, we do a lot of work in Asia as well on the pressure of the students over there. Our programs just spread so quickly because the pressure on the kids, I think, there is even higher than here for test scores. And if they don't hit a certain score, they go on a different track. And That's you, right. We know parents there that have sent their kids to other countries. They can't continue to go to school there because they didn't hit the test score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, that's that high suicide rate. I lived in Japan for a while. That was um, pretty sad during test time. Yeah. So what does it take to do our best on tests? Well, I tell you what it doesn't take. Why don't we start there? Um, what it doesn't take is that cramming, and that is what happens with so many. They, You know, kids are told to go home and study for a test or told to go study for a test, and they are not told specifically how. You know, it's like, how specifically am I supposed to do that? Just take the book and study, and so many of them cram. And we have a little thing that we do, we tell our students at Super Camp too, it's getting into the cramming zone, and I think we've all been there. It's that time when it's the night before the important test, and we gorge our minds with notes that we've taken, and we stare at the page over and over, saying words over and over in our head. You know, everyone over, over, keep looking at it, and sometimes we clench our fists and think, if I clench it tight enough, you know, that's going to make the information stick and highlight different things and colors, but then, you know, we're just repeating things that we haven't spent time with. It's all new, and we go through this ritual of staying up late and sometimes falling asleep and waking up the next morning with the alarm and going, oh, my gosh, it's the time of the test, so we rush in, and we have all this adrenaline going on, and, you know, we... We uh, are not set up for success, and too many times this is what happens to kids. And I know for many it's it's a familiar thing. You know, they have all good intentions and then get to that point. And, you know, we, there are simpler and easier ways that we, we can uh, review it. So what we need when we are preparing for the test are strategies and a system. And a lot of kids don't really focus in on that, that there is a system. And there are strategies that you specifically apply. Um, we know that uh, most of us have all ridden a bicycle, and we use that as a, a metaphor of of a system. If we wanted to race in a um, an important bike race, a high-profile bike race, and we went to our garage and pulled out a, a trusty old bike, I know I had one of these with a wire basket on it, you know, would we win the race? Even if we trained and trained and trained, would we win the race? And of course the answer is no, there's no way. That what we need in addition to the training is a good system. 
um, that would be the you know 21 speed highly engineered bike that we have um, that has all the parts to it from wheels to cables to gears to pedals to seats all those and so what we do is want to look at it that way we look at okay what are our test preparation skills and what is the strategy and how do we put it into an entire system to do our best at that so we'll be going over uh, some of that will you be able to tell us give us give us the system and the strategies if we can kind of take some notes while you're talking uh yes yes i'll be that's what i'll be focusing on here and another part of this and it's important that i'll be getting back to too is the you know what what stops us from doing well on test is often anxiety that shows up. You know, these are high-state tests that we need to do well, and what happens is just the opposite. You know, our brain takes all that anxiety and downshifts, and so that it blocks us from actually getting to our higher-order thinking skills. So a lot of what we're doing is getting away from cramming, you know, preparing ourselves and building up that confidence. So that test anxiety is why so many students will do well in class or seem to know the material but then suddenly do not do well in the test. Yeah, that's absolutely true. In fact, you know that they'll be in the test and they'll, it's almost as if their mind freezes in some yeah. ways. And then when they walk out, they think, oh, the answer just came to them. You know, yeah, they get it when they walk to, out of the room. I remember going to college with students, um, you know, straight-A students, and they didn't do well on the MCAT or the you know, the pre-law uh, exams, and they were not able to go on to the graduate schools they wanted because they couldn't get the test scores that they needed. Yes. Even though they knew the material very well. They do, and they, they need a system for that because, you know, that's they're not alone. And there's many, many, many that walk in, and, you, and when they, that anxiety comes in, and you, your mind keeps telling you, okay, calm down, calm down and right. focus. And the more you say calm down and focus, sometimes the more anxious you get about it. And, you know, and we know what's happening in the brain now because they can scan and see what's happening in the brain, and it, it literally is shutting down and not letting um, our mind go into our higher-order thinking skills where we can think and recall and recapture that information. I remember so, when I was in high school taking the SAT exam, there was a lawnmower going on outside. <laughs> all I could do was hear the lawnmower. Yes. You know, beads of sweat going down my face. Tell myself, stop listening to the lawnmower. Concentrate. Read your test. <laughs> you didn't know you were supposed to practice with lawnmower noise so I, you could, you know, prepare yourself. That <laughs> <laughs> was so scary. So what is the number one factor in getting over this test anxiety? Well, to get into a resourceful state. You know, we get ourselves psyched up. And we get ourselves in that resourceful state before the test in our preparation time. And then the second part is that we maintain that during the test. Ah. So how we get into a state, one is our physiology. You know, it starts with preparing ourselves. So right now, uh, those that are listening, just notice how you're sitting right now. Yeah. And if I were to tell you that, what I was going to tell you next is the most exciting, important thing you'll ever hear. How would you be sitting? And like when, leaning forward? Lean forward, yes, sit up and lean forward, yes, and lean into it. And in that way, it triggers our body, actually our physiology, it triggers our mind. Our mind says, wow, this must be important, I must be listening. So when we're studying or sitting in class, we want to sit up and have our body physically tell us that um, this is important and get our mind engaged. In fact, it's real easy if you would right now just slouch down in your chair. You know, if you slouch way down in your chair and kind of lean over. We tell our students to try this. You know, just lean over. And in that position, try to feel 
bright and alert and excited about what you're learning. You know, it just doesn't happen. Because your body has kind of shut that off. No, if you were to do that during a test, I mean, it, it, the body does shut down the brain. And so what we want to do is sit up and sit really tall. We have a saying that we say when you change one, you change them all between our physiology, our mental capacities, and our emotions. So our, when we change our physical, it changes our mental capacities and it changes our, our emotional state as well and gets us in a mo, more um, resourceful state for learning. Okay, so we're talking about how I want to repeat this because this is so important. I've heard a little bit about this, Bobby, but I, I really want to learn more. So we're talking about getting into a resourceful state. The first thing we do is identify how our, our body, what type of positioning our body is in. So sitting up straight and kind of leaning forward eagerly. Yes. What else can we do to get into that resourceful state? Well, we have something we call the ABCs as an acronym to remember. And A, of course, is for attitude. And we look at our attitude both our uh, with both our conscious physical posture, which is a signal of what our attitude is, and our feelings. And it's all about you know, having an attitude of just really excited to learn. Um, it's a mindset that we have. There's a saying out there, uh, an attitude of I can. I think many of, have heard uh, Ford who said, you know, if you think you can or think you can't, either way you're right. So we really work at having an I can attitude. Often it's that uh, little voice in our heads, you know, that goes off that says, you know, I can't do this. And we have these negative uh, thoughts that come through, and when we shift those and really change that around to a voice saying, I can, I can, I can do this. In fact, Robert Kiyosaki said that's one of the most important changes we can make as well, is right away teach our children and ourselves, stop saying, I can't, and said maybe ask, how can I? Yes, yes, that's a great phrasing. So now there's the ABCs to get you into a resourceful state, and A is all about attitude, getting into the right attitude, an I can attitude. Yes, it is, and also we have another way of putting it. We say a this-is-it attitude, making the most of every moment because often kids will say, well, this test is certainly not it or studying is not it, and we teach them to make the most of every moment because if you're sitting there wishing you were out at the mall or with your friends or doing anything but sitting there studying, you're just wasting your study time. What if you're going to be sitting there at your desk anyway, so why not give it your all, give it your attention, Make it a this is it moment and say, yes, I, you know, here I am studying. I'm going to make the most of it and get into it for that time. And then when you're done and you're with your hanging out with your friends, be with your friends and not worrying about, oh, I really should be studying for this test. For the power of now. Yes. We also have a saying, and I love this. Well, teachers we train, we um, teach their kids to do this. Anytime they say the word test, and it doesn't matter where it comes up in the class, the kids respond with, Come on, give me that test. And they have such joy in it. One of our teachers who teaches in Oceanside near our office teaches first grade, or she was teaching first grade last year. And I walked into her class, and here's first graders, and I brought a guest in to watch her. And she was, it wasn't even test-taking time, but she was doing something else and just happened to say the word. And to see all these tests. Uh, first graders jump out of their chair saying, come on, give me that test. Mm. But they just have a different mindset, and they're saying it over and over and over again. So when they hear the word test, it's like, yes, you know, come on, I can do it. And it's a completely different attitude. Well, that's excellent. So A is for attitude, the sign that you're going to be feel powerful and eager and ready to take on the test. Yes. And B is for beliefs. Um, when we think about all the negative thoughts that come into our mind, uh, things like, I'm a slow 
learner, I'm a slow reader, I'll never do well on this test, all those things that come. It's really is related to attitude, our beliefs, but we take a look at our negative ones and throw those away. And then we look at positive beliefs. Again, it gets back to the I can, I believe in myself, um, I know I will be successful, you know, I've prepared, I'm ready, I'm going to go. It's that we believe I can. It's our expectation. You know, we talk a lot about expectation and intention. You know, when we set our intention to do well on the test and then we expect to do because uh, that's our expectation. We've prepared, we're ready, and we're going to make it happen. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit about math. You know, maybe one of the reasons the United States does so poorly on math is that, you know, we, we are educated by teachers who say that math is hard, or, you know, I'm not good at math. You know, we have all these negative beliefs associated with math. And now we have these negative beliefs associated with test-taking. You know, so no wonder for those college friends who didn't do well on their exam, they probably had had years and years of, of that negative belief system telling themselves, you know, I just don't do well on, on tests. Yes. And then yes. it becomes self-fulfilling prophecy. It is. And that voice gets really loud in our head. And everybody how, how do you has identify what your beliefs are about tests? Well, you sit back and look to see what they are. I think it's in those quiet, reflective moments. And um, sometimes it helps to talk out loud with someone or somebody to suggest. My background in the beginning was, is in ex- what's called accelerative learning with a man by the name of Dr. Georgi Lozano from Bulgaria. And he calls what he does suggestology. And he says he uses that term because everything makes a suggestion. He says there is no neutral that everything that's said, everything that's done, every belief is either positive or negative and that we want them all to be positive. And he also has another term he uses, which is de-suggestion. And de-suggestion is that we have to go inside ourselves and look to see what are those negative beliefs. And I think um, one way to do it is start writing them down because, you know, you think, oh, this is a negative belief about myself. That's it. And you write it down. And then you think, oh, that triggered another. Oh, that triggered another. And if you really, you know, give yourself the opportunity to dig deep and go down so that you can get ri- recognize that they're there and then get rid of them. And then so consciously changing that belief, like if you catch yourself kind of speaking subconsciously, oh, I hate tests. I just I don't do well on them saying, ah, maybe that was the truth in the past, but, you know, that has changed now. And I know that I can do better and I'm going to do better on tests. Are you catching yourself when you have the negative belief and then you're flipping it and giving yourself a new belief and the idea that if you if you say it and you think it often enough, it becomes your reality? Absolutely. Yes, and that word that, you know, this is a tough test or it could be, you could even say it could be test, but uh, tough, but, um, no, it's not a definite. It's that changing to that could or I, I can do well. This This may turn out this way. It may turn out to be a really positive experience. But I'm going to give it my all, and I'm going to prepare for it, and it's going to be fine. Yes, absolutely. So A is for attitude, B is for belief. What is C for? We use C for both commitment and concentration. First, we are committed to our goal, and we set that commitment, and we state it out loud, because once you make that um, kind of stake in the sand that, yes, I am committed to doing this, then you hold yourself to that commitment because you've stated it. And then we develop our ability to focus our concentration. This one's a big one. It's the ability to concentrate. How many times have we sat down uh, to study for a test or to read something, and we get to the bottom of the page, and we can't remember what it said? Oh, lots of times. Yeah. 
our mind wanders and we think about so many things at once that we what we need to do is narrow it down so that we have uh, we're fully focused on one thing. In fact, Thomas Edison said success is being able to keep our focus on one thing incessantly. You know that when we can do that, and we have a system for doing that. And one of it's called getting in alpha state, which we've been doing for years and learned from a friend named uh, Steve Snyder. And it's about being able to focus your concentration. And it's very simple to do. And of course, it starts with sitting up tall. If we want to do that now together, um, it's sit up tall, close your eyes, take a deep breath, think of a peaceful place. And with your eyes still shut, roll your eyes up and down and open on the page that you're on. Again, it's sit up tall, close your eyes, take a deep breath, think of a peaceful place, roll your eyes up and down and open them on the page. I don't know if you felt it, but what it does is help quiet us. It quiets our mind and gets us into a more resourceful state for learning. I noticed for myself, too, I felt more alert and the, the words on the page seemed to stand out more. Yes. Steve Snyder, who, do, who uh, gave us this, he's somebody that reads four books a night. I mean, he, he reads at incredible speeds, and he attributes that uh, with the, this ability to focus. And, you know, I know this skill, and I'll be using it as I'm reading something, and then my mind will I'll just catch myself. Oh, I'm thinking about, you know, a meeting I have later or a phone call I have to make or you know, something I have to do, or I hear overhear something in the next room. And then I'll try to, okay, stop th- stop thinking about that, go back to the page, stop thinking about that, and, and I can't force myself back to the page. It's better to just stop in your tracks. Don't keep saying, oh, I should, I should, I should. Just stop in your tracks. Take a deep breath and sit up, and take just 30 seconds to get yourself back into alpha state, and it makes such a big difference. You know, we practice this even in our office. We uh, practice so, uh, alpha state so that we can increase our, spe- our reading. And we'll have a five-minute read every day. We were doing this for, for quite some time. And we would announce it over the loudspeaker. And then we would all together get in alpha state and we'd read for five minutes every day. And it was amazing. You know that stack of reading that most of us have that kind of pile up in any of our spaces next to the bed, on your desk, wherever you have it. And people just five minutes a day were finding that stack is disappearing on me just mm. five minutes a day. It's amazing what that That's does. the focus reading. Yeah. It's focusing your concentration. So it's focusing if you're listening to somebody tell you uh, about content, if you're listening to even a, a video program, if you're working on the computer, if you're uh, writing a paper, if you're taking a test, if you're reading any of those times, it really helps to get into alpha state. And we know that there are our four states, the top being beta, and that is where our mind is on dozens of things all the time. And we tend to go up into beta. We get stressed and we're up in beta. We're thinking of so many things at one time. And what we're trying to do is then shift down into alpha where we can focus on one thing. And we know that if we just focus on one thing, we'll learn it, we'll remember it, we'll know it. If we have a dozen things out in front of us, we're not going to get there. 
Well, this is excellent, Bobby. I want to keep repeating because I know you're giving us the system and strategies right here. Yes. So the first one is know the ABCs of learning, attitude, belief, commitment, and concentration. And then to aid that commitment and concentration, we get ourselves into an alpha state, sitting up straight, taking a deep breath, moving our eyes, thinking of a relaxing, peaceful place, eyes up and down, and then opening our eyes onto the page. Well, this is excellent. So beyond state now, this alpha state, um, how else do we prepare ourselves for the test? Yes, that's where we start, and some other strategies for how to prepare. This section is on how to prepare ahead, and I also have some tips during the test itself, but this is how to prepare ahead. And first off, it's to get in the mind of the maker of the test. So think about that. Who is the person that wrote this test? Is it a standardized test from the state? Is it um, a teacher? Is it your... Um, you know, that you got from your district that you need to, to take, what kind of test, who made this test, and what's in their mind. If it's somebody that you can ask about it, then you would ask questions of what's the format, what's the length, what kind of a test, is it multiple choice, is it essay. It's figuring out as much as you can beforehand, and we can ask questions before. You know, it's remembering that you can ask questions and find out, okay, what kind of test this is so I can get it into my head. And also know that there's a lot of clues before a test often, you know, that you can find out the content area and what, what do you think is important. So it's really thinking about what kind of test is this. That's where we start. The next is really creating a plan for study. And this is the biggest area. This is where, okay, a test is coming up. What am I going to do about it? Um, Hopefully, there's a few weeks out to your test. One is um, every day, obviously, in your studies and, and what you're doing and preparing. But we say you have two weeks before a test. We have something that we call circuit learning. And if you take a, a two-week uh, calendar, say Monday through Friday, and then chunk whatever it is that you're studying for your test, take your whole body of content and make it into chunks. And this could be six chunks, ten chunks, twenty chunks, whatever it is. But specifically list chunks of content that you're going to be studying. And then you could put priorities on them of what you think is most important or what kind of goes together. And then we will, we call it circuit learning because we learn one chunk the next day, repeat that one, add another next day, repeat that, repeat the, uh, on Wednesday, we'd repeat Tuesday, repeat Monday, and add another chunk. So say on Monday, this is um, we can put letters to them, A, B, C, D, E. Um, Monday is your A priority chunk of information, so you could spend 30 minutes on it. Then on Tuesday, you review A's content for 10 minutes and then study B for 20 minutes. And then on Wednesday, you would do a shorter, maybe five-minute review with A, 10 minutes with B, 15 with C. Next day, maybe 5 minutes with B, 10 minutes with C, and add D, which is 15 minutes, and rotate it through. Does that make sense to you? It's just that, that way you're repeating it, too, so you're, you're keeping it totally solid. You, you identified the information that was the most important. That became your A information for your first day. Yes. And then, so you did, then the next day you reviewed what you learned yesterday and you added some new information. Yes. So it's a rotation of chunks of information and you're always pulling from the past that you would pull from three days ago, two days ago, a day ago and add new. And you combine those 
so that you have this rotation going forward. There is such power in review. We know what's going on in the brain now as well when information comes in when it's in short-term memory. And one of the ways to get it to long-term memory is review. It's mm-hmm. chunking the information and reviewing it over and over and over again. Repetition. Repetition. The power it's, of repetition. Oh, it's it's really big. And what it says is it sends a message to the brain that says, wake up, this is important. You know, I've seen this before. Hey, this is the third time I've seen this. This must really be important mm-hmm. so that we view it. And then they're less likely to forget it the minute they take the test? Yes, yes. Then, then the recall. It's in a place where they can eat more easily recall. Well, also for recall, it's how they study the information. Um, there's many uh, strategies for actually studying the content when they get there. One is, um, I know that you've had many sessions, too, and a lot on different learning styles and visual, auditory, kinesthetic type of strategies. And one vi- very visual strategy is making a map of your content. Use colored pens. The brain likes color. And we use one called Mind Mapping is one of the maps we use. And it would be taking your chunk of content and putting the main subject matter in the middle of the page and then creating branches, main branches, and then keep adding to your branches. And each branch is a different color on the page um, and putting all your content there. We create these maps and then we can post them in our room and then we can also hold them up um, above, we actually hold them up in the air and look up to them because when we look up, we're actually getting into a visual resourceful learning mode. And, you know, we sit into, when we're sitting in tests, we have kids that kind of look up into air, but they know their mind maps right there and they can actually see it on the page. We also have kids create these maps and then fold them and put them away and take out a new piece of paper and recreate the map. And we uh-huh. find that most often they can just recreate that map that they just put away. And a good idea, too, of course, of having the main idea and the different branching ideas is now the student has, really understands the whole concept, Yeah, how it all ties together. They really have mastered that topic. They can make connections. Not just see how it fits it. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah that, which is really learning, not just test-taking, and now learning has taken place. You know, we, we have students that sometimes will take uh, this mind map and make one for every chapter that they're reading in a book mm. along the way, which is wonderful. I actually do that myself. When I'm reading books, because I tend to start many at the same time and stack them all around me, and when I pick them up, sometimes I've been reading two other books before I come back to that one. But when I start a mind map, and then I fold it and put it in the book, then when I go back to that book, I can just open it up, and it's a great review, and it gets me right up to where I left off. And, of course, this is a valuable technique, not just for the visual learner who would do it naturally, but test-taking is a visual skill. So even if our children are kinesthetic or auditory, it doesn't matter. Now they have to shift into visual mode in order to do well in this test. Yes. So this making a a mind map, a map of the material, might be a very good way of having them shift into this visual mode. Do the map, put it above their head, you know, tell their brain, store it, you know, please store it in your memory place. I'm coming back to you in a little while and continuing to open, put your eyes above your forehead, looking up to trigger that and, and to be able to go in and retrieve it as well? Yes, yes, very powerful. Well, that's excellent. Okay, yes. well, please keep going because it's well, just excellent information. Yes, we find mind maps very useful. There's a lot of information that can be found on the Internet by going. It was um, uh, started with Tony Buzan, so I always would like to acknowledge him on that, that he's been a great friend and I uh, think that's such an valuable tool that he has there. Now, so now we've prepared for the test. We found as much as possible about what, what, what kind of test is coming up. 
you know, whether it's a state test or an SAT or asking the teacher what's coming up. Uh, we've created a plan for the study. In other words, you would decide the A material, the B, C, and D material, studied a little bit each day and repeated what we'd learned from the days before. Now, and now we have an understanding of it, so we've mapped it out in this mind mapping, and we have uh, uh, made a point of putting that into our memory system. Uh, what is next, then? Are we prepared now to take the test? Well, just before you do that, we suggest you act it out. And this really came to mind when you were telling about the lawnmower outside because we suggest that students um, set up a desk that would be similar to where they're going to take the test. If it's a straight chair, sit in a straight chair. If it's quiet, do it in a quiet space. If you know that there's going to be noise, have noise. Uh But actually simulate the test. You know, prepare yourself, walk in, get yourself psyched, tell yourself you can do it, say, come on, give me that test. You know, you can sit down there and actually do a mock test yourself or make a mock test yourself that you would sit down and take or just sit down, put a pen in your hand, do it, you know, go through the motions, walk through it. And at the end of it, you can just even congratulate yourself. Great job. You know, I can do this. I know it. This was great. I did it. And just get yourself in that you've actually walked through the steps. We even do this at Super Camps. It's a 10-day program, and day nine is all about a simulation of school. You know, they learn so many strategies, but it's all about how you take it out and how you use it. So we actually set up, um, you know, classes and studying, and here's a piece of content. Here, apply these strategies to it. Act it out. Get it in your body. Because when you've acted it out, you know, that's where you'll be. I heard that statement from Miss America once. She said, no, this was no surprise. I've been walking down this aisle for years. Yeah. Of course, the athletes do that all the time, visualizing what they want to occur, because your brain doesn't know the difference between you know, playing a game and reality. It, it gets comfortable with the idea. Yes. And then, um, you know, we just keep reviewing, and then the day of, the day of, this is before the test, but um, actually the night before, we, you know, if it's a big standardized exam that you're doing in particular, but any size test, think about um, getting yourself psyched. And you might think about what are you going to wear the next day. I know mm-hmm. they recommend that if you're in a, a big hall taking a test that you dress in layers. You don't know what the temperature is going to be. Mm-hmm. That you lay out your sharpened pencils. In fact, we even suggest you bring some dull ones, actually, because if it's a multiple choice and you're filling in bubbles, a dull pencil is much faster and easier to, to use. Um, bring your eraser, calculator, snack, whatever is appropriate that you can bring with you. And it's fun to even designate something as your, say, your lucky pen. You know, create something that is going to be an anchor for you of something that will remind you of all that wonderful studying you did and, you know, the pen that you made your mind map with or something that you can bring with you and you can hang on to it and you say, yes, this, you know, I I can do this. I've prepared. I'm ready. I'm going to do it. How much time do you suggest that people take to prepare for a standardized test as compared to a, a spelling or vocabulary test? Well, one could be an everyday test and one's a once-a-year test. So it just depends on, you know, the, how big the test is. And that's different for different people. I would start the moment I know about the test. You know, if you know about it six months in advance, the standardized test is coming up. Obviously, people spend a lot of time for that. And some people go to, you know, particular centers that help them review, but actually getting practice tests and taking them and um, creating a circuit learning. It doesn't have to be for just a two-week period. It could be over six months. The point is to take what it is that you're studying for and then chunk it into pieces 
because if you try to remember or study the whole thing at once, you, it doesn't stick as well as when you chunk it down and make it really strong for yourself. Now, even then, you're preparing for the test, but it's also become a nice learning tool. Yes. Kind of a motivation. Okay, so now we know how to prepare for the test. So uh, what are some things that we can do during the test? Well, when you walk, walk in tall, and that is a big, it sounds so simple, and I've had students say, you know, nobody's reminded me before, and when I come to the door, I actually stop before I walk through the door, I take a deep breath, and I walk in tall and confident. And that triggers things for the brain. And then when they sit down, they continue to sit up and take a deep breath. And things for the test, you know, in particular, we suggest that um, that they skim the entire test, that they just skim through. Get yourself settled, first of all. You know, get your pens where you want them. Um, and when you can turn over the test, that you kind of scan the whole thing. You know, and when you scan it in an alpha state, I think you kind of take it in in a more whole brain way where it just kind of comes in, okay, I know what's there. And make sure that you read carefully and plan your time. We also suggest that people, if it's appropriate, that they can jot down important facts and formulas in the margins, only if that's appropriate. But you've put all this information, you have all these maps of everything you've learned, you've put it into chunks. If it's appropriate and they don't mind and you can write on the back of the test, you might just jot down some main things that you are holding in your head so that when you're working on one part, you can just delve into that part and you can kind of step back and um, not try to remember, okay, there's 50 things I have to remember and I'm repeating them in my head. You know, if you can just down them to a piece of paper and have that there, you can kind of let go of it. That's an excellent idea, because then you don't have to worry about it. You've already put it out there. Yes. Now, what do we do if we get stuck? Ah, Well, one is we suggest you answer the easiest questions first, so you won't get stuck for a while. <laughs> and then uh, if you answer the easiest questions first. Yes. It builds up your confidence, for one thing, oh. reduces anxiety. And, and when you're answering the uh, shortest, easiest ones, it sometimes triggers recall for answers for ones that come later. So, it's excellent. Yes. And when we get stuck, you know, we reread the question. Read it in a different way. Mouth it if you can. Um, if it's appropriate, you can ask for clarification. But, you know, check your head and just think about it. Go into an alpha state and just take a deep breath and just think about it. You might want to close your eyes for a moment and picture those mind maps that will be going past in your head. <laughs> So what happens if our anxiety starts up and gets in our way from doing our best? Well, one is that alpha state really does help with anxiety. It's close, it's sit up, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and think of that peaceful place. And I always think of the same peaceful place. I have it very vivid in my mind. So when I say peaceful place, I don't go searching for a peaceful place. I have the same one I've been using for 20 years probably, and I I know it well, and all I have to do is think of it and take a deep breath, and it will help with that anxiety. And another is just start writing. If it's an essay test and you're anxious and you don't know what to say, well, just start writing something. You know, if you have a, a blank sheet of paper on the back that you can start writing, get the pen moving. One is just getting it moving so that we can, you know, it, it, it primes the brain and gets it going. And just keep repeating those positive affirmations. 
I can do it. I know this is it. And I've, I've practiced. And then hang on to that lucky pen. <laughs> yeah, and then just kind of get going and get that forward momentum. Yes. Wait, now this oh, is such excellent information. I know we've been taking notes like crazy. Do you have this written down anywhere in any of the books that you've written or on your website at all where we can go and get it? We have so many strategies in our, uh, our books. The quantum learning book is just filled with strategies. Now, which quantum learning book in particular? Uh, the one that's not quantum business, but the one that's quantum learning. Yes, the one that's quantum learning. And we also have a series of smaller books that are by topic. So you can buy a book just on uh, memory, note-taking, thinking skills, and many of these strategies are, I mean, all of them are in there at different places. Uh, from quantumlearning.com? Yes, it is. Uh-huh. How do we find them? Do we do a search for them, or do you have them um, listed out? They're pretty easy to find. They're pretty easy to find, yes. We have a um, product page on the quantumlearning.com, and all of our uh, products are there. And if anybody wants a catalog, we can send a catalog of products out to them because we have, along with the books, we have DVDs and other type programs. And quantum is spelled Q-U-A-N-T-U-M learning.com. Yes. Do you have an email, an information email address that people can write to to receive the catalog and also information about what you have to offer? Yes, uh, just info at supercamp.com or info at quantumlearning.com. Any of them will, info at any of our names will get to us. So I know you have a CD too about Supercamp that I found to be very uh, informative. Yes, it is. It's it's about 15 minutes, and we always come up against trying to tell people about Supercamp and how do they get what the experience is like, and we found the video is very, very helpful in having people really understand what it is that we do. I've read some of the letters that former student, students have written in where they didn't want to go and they were how glad they were and what a huge difference it made for them, not only for the next year but for also going into college. Oh, it does. I mean, I talked to some of them this morning. What was fun last week, I was flying to an East Coast site, and I was getting off the plane, and someone yelled up as we were getting off the plane, are you from Super Camp? And he went off and said, you know, I'm in med school now. I went to Super Camp eight years ago, and I still have my book, my quantum learning book in my dorm room, and it's still helping me in med school. So that was fun. What age do you recommend for Super Camp? Because it is a live-away at camp at a college campuses around the country. Well, we start at nine, and we go all the way to into the, uh, 20 because we do a college age program and you know my son and daughter went to the first one and my twin granddaughters went last year and they were nine years old so I can vouch for that but so not, it's not too young then it's not too young and yeah. it's closely supervised it's okay it is we're with them 24 hours a day we are with them there's no free time we keep them occupied from the time they wake up in the morning till they go to bed at night and most say it was the best 10 days of their life now, if, if we say to our children, we want you to go to a study camp, we might have some resistance. Yeah, you know, the first thing we ask the kids when they show up at camp, we say, how many came because it wasn't really your idea, you know, and somebody told you to come here and all these hands go up, so they laugh. And, you know, at, about four hours later, it's such a different environment that they are glad to be here. You know, they learn so much about themselves, and when they, they love to learn about themselves as a learner, they love to get the strategies, and it, they have so many successes. It's built so that these successes just keep building one on the other, and they get excited about what they're learning. Do you have this then for high school age students to kind of help them prepare for the SAT and prepare for college as well? Yes, we do. There's an yeah. SAT segment at the it's, high school level. Because a lot of high school homeschoolers um, take junior college classes as well, mm-hmm. and many of them uh, finish high school early. Yes. 
So I, I think strategy would work across the board. Yes, and then um, and then developing those people skills too, because I know that you also talk about you know how to make friends. Um, what do you do with conflict resolution? Um, you know, building up their confidence so that they feel good learning in these um, group settings. It is. It's about learning and life skills. And we go into schools and do trainings and for groups and boys and girls clubs and all kinds of organizations. In fact, we do it for um, homeschool charter schools as well. Um, weekend retreats, and when they come, sometimes they'll say, oh, we just want the reading, or we just want the learning, or we don't, you know, or we just want the lives, and and every time we do a program, it has some of each, because it's a whole program. I mean, the word quantum, it's about all these particles and strategies and things that swirl around, and it all comes together in those aha moments of learning, and they all support each other. It's all part of the whole. Now, we know the obvious benefits of doing well on tests, you know, getting better grades, uh, improving our chances of being accepted into colleges. Uh, what other benefits might we expect from doing well on tests? Well, when you're studying for the test, when you use these strategies, you're getting better overall learning skills and habits. And these are they are not just for getting grades, you know, as we're growing up. It's life skills that we have, you know, adults that went to super camp that are using them in their life. So it really is lifelong learning, and that's what it's all about. It's all about getting that excitement, that curiosity, the I love to learn attitude so you know that's what they get and you know the side effect of studying for a test when you use these type of strategies and then when you do well and you have successes you're feeling better about yourself and we know when you feel better about yourself everything else in life changes recognizing that we are living in a test crazy world and now we've set our children up to do well in this world yes well that's excellent we've been speaking with bobby deporter from quantum learning um also super camp Bobby, do you mind if we um, open up the call? No, that's fine. Just in, uh, callers, I know that there are a lot of people on the line right now, but it, it does add so much to the conversation to hear your questions and to have you add to this, the, the whole dialogue here. So uh, don't be shy. Feel free to come on out. And I think we have time for one or two comments, questions. Hello there. Uh, first question, please, for Bobby DePorter about um, helping our children develop good test-taking skills. Um, I just want to know how much the 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 camp is, and um, do you have to already be a good speller and writer and, and that to attend? Uh, the tuition to the program is twenty one hundred dollars, and that includes all their room and board and all their supplies um, to stay on the university campus in the program. And we do follow up afterwards and stay in touch. And it's for a whole array of students. No, they don't have to be at any certain level to come to Super Camp. They learn things, um, strategies that they can apply to any of their subjects. Is there a right hand a sibling discount? Yes, there is. And if anyone calls our office, um, they can get information about that, which um, either go to the website or, or write to our 800 number. Okay. And Hi. our, our number How do they find out the camps that are nearest to them? Well, on our website at supercamp.com or to call us at 800-28-LEARN. That's right, and at, at Super Camp, you pull down the state listing. That's how I found it, and I went, oh, here, California, and then I found out that the nearest one to us was at Stanford University. Yes. Thank you. So there's lots of information, and there's people that can tell you about the program or answer any of your questions as well. What was that number again, Bobby? It's uh, 800-28-LEARN, so it's 285-3276. And for homeschoolers, we tend to be pretty frugal, but we do view educational expenses as an investment. You know, we're, we're used to kind of spending the money on uh, curriculum 
and on giving our children these educational skills because we're not paying private school tuition, which is kind of nice. We can invest it in our children. Uh, do we have another question for Bobby the Porter? Do you offer scholarships? We do have a scholarship program, yes. I would like to hear the quote that uh, you quoted uh, Thomas Edison. That success is about the ability to focus on one thing incessantly. Thank you. Yes. That's so true. I find that myself. When I'm working on a project, and there's many projects, and the times when I'm going, jumping from one to the other to the other, and then if I can just set a specific amount of time and say, okay, focus on this one project, <laughs> it makes we such keep, a difference. It does, because we keep so many balls in the air. Yeah. And then just regularly make the habit, okay, what am I going to focus on now? I like doing that, too, either for three weeks or one month, really focusing on that one goal, and I find that I make such huge progress. Yes. And then it builds up your confidence, too, because now you've had a history of these successes of doing what you said you were going to do. And something actually accomplished and moved on and yes. happening. Yes. Uh, any other questions or comments for Bobby before we take our break? I do. Yes, please. Um, I, it's interesting. I found myself saying at one point toward the end here, I feel I'm overloaded, tired, so much to take in. How do I organize it all? So just that sitting up, you know, we were talking about sitting up and being, you know, really with this. And now all of a sudden I found myself slouching. <laughs> <laughs> so we slouch when we're depressed and we sit up tall when we're feeling confident and powerful. We have to remember to remember. Yeah. Remember to sit up. I have a, a friend when I'm talking about I have so much to do and not enough time and all these things, and he kind of looks at me and says, the ocean is so big and your boat is so small. It's kind of that poor me. <laughs> Get off it. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, thank you very, very much, Bobby, for being with us. Thank you. I enjoyed being here. Boy, it's terrific information. You know, the spring tends to be the test-taking season, isn't it, for the most part? It is, but they do scatter scatter throughout the year, but that's the, when the biggest uh, test-taking season is. You know, maybe we can put together a special telecourse for our homeschool.com readers starting in January uh-huh. and invite you back for that because I think that they would really find it helpful, you know, having them set it up like, okay, now first, the first meeting we're going to start up, this is how you're going to prepare yourself, and then, uh, you know, now, and then have another one a month later or so. Okay, now we're getting close to the test. This is where you should be, kind of helping people put it into timetable so they don't get so overwhelmed. Yes, actually put a plan together. Put the test date uh, date up on the wall and count yes. back, you know, five months. That would be terrific. And then work backwards from there. Yes. Oh, that's an excellent suggestion. So, callers, we're going to take a five-minute break, and then we're going to come back with our next guest. Uh, we're going to be speaking with Joyce Herzog about teaching different age children at the same time, which of course is very valuable for homeschoolers since we tend to be teaching uh, younger children and middle-aged children and high school-age children all at the same time. So would you join me please of coming out of mute mode, press star six to come out of mute mode to say goodbye and thank you to Bobby DePorter of Quantum Learning. Thank you, Bobby. Okay. I appreciate you.